0: 15 minutes with blake i'm your host blake linklater and on the show today is anna Rice. Anna, did i say that right your last name
1: uh you got close uh Karis. like carrots without the
0: t's uh, perfect all right well nice to meet you anna um anna tell us a little bit about yourself your business and what you're doing now
1: Um, So, hi, everybody. Uh, My name's Anna. I am a financial advisor and business development director for Centennial Wealth Management down in Columbia, Maryland.
0: Awesome. What do you do as a business development director?
1: so right now business development director is a catch-all term for everything that helps develop new business for the firm i think traditionally business development director is someone who's in charge of like center of influence relationships so in our industry that would be um, estate planning attorneys who could potentially refer clients or who we could refer clients to um you know uh, tax accountants CPAs other attorneys um, and then if you're getting really creative I know back when I was in San Antonio uh, I had some great relationships with marriage and family therapists as well as wedding planners which were uh, sort of non-traditional COI relationships for financial planning but ended up being uh, really beneficial
0: cool awesome. so one of the things that I would like to do on this show is kind to explore the background of, you know briefly of you know, your biggest successes, biggest failures, but also how you got into it. So uh, like two or three questions coming in a row. How did you get into the business? How did you get into the role? And then, yeah, then your biggest success and the biggest failure. But let's start with how did you get into it?
1: Yeah. So I like to joke that I was dragged backwards into the industry. I uh, out of college, I was in education. So I was teaching high school math. Uh, algebra one and algebra two, uh, and it was great, but it is not what I had seen myself doing. I had planned on going to law school, uh, like a lot of young people who uh, like to argue. That's what I had been told I should do the entire time I was growing up, effectively. And took the took the law school entrance exam uh, my last year of college, uh, put applications out, uh, but ultimately decided not to go to law school because apparently being a lawyer is a lot less law and order than it is just uh, paperwork and really long hours and all of the attorneys that I met, especially the early career ones that I was able to to chat with before that decision. Uh, none of them were really super happy with their lives, some of them were well compensated but overworked all of them were overworked, unfortunately, and it just it just didn't seem great to me uh, so. Made the decision not to go to law school, ended up in education, and all throughout all of this, I'd had a mentor from college who had been either trying to get me to intern for him or telling me how great I would be in the financial services world. And I was like, no, 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 Jory, I'm going to go do this other thing. And then, you know, went into education. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to go do this other thing. And then finally, as my my tenure in the world of education was coming to an end, I was like, all right, Jory, I don't know what to do. I've, you know, I've tried this thing and it didn't work out and I need a backup plan. Uh, And at that point, like any good mentor, he was like, all right, I'm not asking you anymore. I'm telling you you're going to apply. So I applied in a local office of uh, my previous company and ended up being accepted and spent five years there.
0: Cool. Very Cool. Um, you know, I, I noticed the same things with accountants too when I was in college. Like I, I was, you know, asking all my professors, like, why did you wanna be in you know, I still remember one, one of my professors just loved to put the numbers in the boxes. And that was in the old day of the general ledgers, and I'm sure they still exist today. But I'm like, All right, well, I'll teach their own, but no one really seemed particularly happy other than working, you know, long hours and, and good money. So mm-hmm. yep. you know, I think there's some common common commonalities there. Um What's been your biggest success today?
1: Um, I think biggest success today was, uh, probably the transition from my old firm to my new firm. It was very, very quick. Uh, and I found somewhere that I really enjoyed solely through using my network. Uh, and I would call that a, a pretty big success for me personally. Uh, and when I say quick, I mean like six weeks from the day I was, you know, decided I was ready to leave my last firm to the day I started with the new one.
0: Cool. And how about your biggest failure?
1: I would say biggest failure was probably tied into leaving my last firm as well. Uh, I started there when I was very young, you know, 21, 22 years old and had sort of absorbed this message either, you know, because it was told to me intentionally or just because it's what I heard that, you know, this is this is the place to be, this is the only way to do it. If you can't make it here, you're not successful. I, I'd absorbed a lot of that messaging. And so while I was ready to leave my last firm and I knew ultimately it's what was right for me and, and my family, uh, it still felt like a pretty big failure to finally mm. rip the bandaid off, pull the cord and say I was ready to leave.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think it's a very hard thing uh, when you jump out on your own or when you leave a, a, an old venture. Mm-hmm. It is just trusting yourself and trusting the process and having faith in it, and, and to rip the cord out, like you say. And um, but it takes you have to have that faith to to do it because on the other side is bigger and bigger and brighter things. Mm-hmm. And
1: and like I said, I knew, I knew, and it was not in that I, I, you know, I hadn't been courting this firm for the my new firm for for a long time. Like I said, it was a six week process. So it wasn't that I had all this data. I just knew in, you know, that place in your gut that instinctively knows things that this yeah. is the right place for me. This is the right move for me. And honestly, I think having some data and a longer history with them might have made things a little bit easier. And just that yeah. I'm like, no, I've 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 known these people for for years. Uh, you know, in our industry, things, you know, uh, an advisor transition can be a multi-year process. You know, the a new firm court, you know, that you connect at a conference and you know, you're courted by the new firm for years and you you've known them for a while. But no, it was it was genuinely six weeks. I had nothing to indicate that this was the right fit for me, other than that that just little instinctive feeling in my gut gut. And so far it's worked out, but, uh, you know, obviously the, the gut can, can lie every once in a while or be misunderstood.
0: Let's, uh, I want to touch on that a bit. Uh, last week I had a great, uh, she's very intuitive and and very, uh, we, we had a lot of fun on it, but she's very intuitive on it. And how did you know in your gut, like, what did it feel like? And, and I asked that for myself to like so many times I've had this feeling in my gut and I didn't, I didn't listen to it. You know, But so I guess for you specifically, what did it feel like? How did you know that this was your gut? Like what, I guess, going a little woo-woo here, but what did you, I don't know, how'd you know? And like that little feeling, what did it look like to you? What did it look and feel like?
1: So for me, uh, and I, I've made a lot of big life decisions based on that feeling in my gut. So it wasn't like this wasn't the first rodeo for me. I've had some practice listening to this little thing in my gut and and knowing at least or at least being able to mildly interpret what it's trying to tell me. Yeah. Uh, so I think stepping back a little bit the way the inside of my head and my body normally feels. As most people can potentially gather just from watching me for a couple minutes on video, I'm very high energy. I talk quickly, my thoughts move quickly. And there's usually, you know, as much as I, Talk in tangents. There's usually two or three different tangents happening in my head at any given time. Uh, I like to I like to describe it as you know uh, a browser with lots of tabs open at any given moment, and every once in a while one of those tabs is playing music and you're not 100% sure where it's coming from. But there's just uh, there's just chaos in there, and I've I've learned to work with it and I've learned to you know to you know harness it to my advantage. But that's just sort of what my my normal state is and i've learned from making some big decisions using my gut that the opposite is what's true when i need to tune in so it feels very quiet and still and calm to me whenever i'm in one of those uh instinctive gut moments um and i i made my my university decision that way uh, i was i knew i was going to go to this university with, within 20 minutes of being on campus and it's you know it was halfway across the country from where my family were and i'd never spent any time there and my closest family was 4 hours away but i knew it was right for me within 20 minutes because of that feeling and uh, did the same when i when i met my husband and it wasn't quite 20 minutes within meeting him but it was definitely within the first month i i knew because uh, it felt quiet and calm and still versus, you know, my normal, you know, ADHD yeah. spiral.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Very, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Very interesting. Uh, from your success to date, what do you think has been one key to your success?
1: I would say one of them is my ability to teach people things, um, the going back to my time in education and potentially even further back to when I was in my teenage years and I was either uh, teaching swim lessons or coaching swim team, or uh, you know, being a, a camp counselor at uh, like a sports camp. I have always been a teacher in some way, shape or form and was able to harness and train up those skills when I was in the classroom. And I found that being an advisor, you know, the ability to take a concept that feels really big and scary uh, like Algebra 1 or like money and personal finance and distill it into something that feels easy to understand and more importantly, easy to take action on is a massively undervalued skill. And then being able to take that skill and pair it with just sort of my high energy nature um, has made, uh, has been a pretty big key for my success, honestly.
0: Cool. Honest, uh, honestly, that's pretty cool. Uh, so I always say in this business or in any business, really, you know, like the general public doesn't know the difference between the, whatever Merrill Lynch, you know, RBC, TD, whatever, Edward Jones, they don't know the difference to them. We're all the same. Um, and I got that from one of my, one of my early mentor, virtual mentors, Don Connolly. And, and who's a good, uh, am- if you haven't read any of his stuff, just Google him. And uh, he's awesome on like creating analogies and storytelling for advisors and, uh, and about being different. And so what makes you different from other advisors? You know, because different is better than better. So what makes you different?
1: Uh, well, so the one thing I've got is that I don't necessarily look like the average advisor, you know the average. When people think financial advisor, they think, and and no offense, but they think you know pale male and stale. So uh, a yeah. white man in his mid fifties is generally what people think when they think financial advisors. And while the camera does a good job of showing it, I am plenty pale. Uh, I am neither male nor stale. So I think just just that little bit of differentiating factor based on you know the package I come in is one thing. Uh, I also think I have had uh, just different life experience than a lot of advisors, you know, coming through the world of education first. And then moving into a, a client service and client support role, uh, I think has, like I said, it, it it taught me a very valuable skill. And uh, you know, rather than using big words to make people feel like they need me, I can you know take this big world and make it seem very simple. And like they can, you know, make making people feel like they can actually take control of this.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, look, we're coming near the end here. Um... I always like to end it with, you know, what's one action my listeners can take. So, you know, if anybody's listening, they're whatever, a junior advisor, they're a senior advisor, they're an accountant, lawyer, I don't know, they're just an entrepreneur, doesn't matter. But what's one action listeners can take to help, you know, move them closer to anything they're working on that you would recommend?
1: So I would say, so there's two, there's one one like work advice piece and one life advice piece. Uh so work advice I would say whatever your big goal is I would break that into one or two small daily actions that you can take in order to continue to move forward towards a big goal uh just because I found that you know big goals can be great and they can be really motivating for a little while but then as the reality of actually having to hit it hits you uh it can be very very difficult so if your goal is you know you know 10 new uh, retainer clients by the end of the year. Okay, what does it take to get one new retainer client? How many referrals does that take you or, or how many meetings does that take you or whatever? And, and every day work yourself towards that next client in that case. Uh, so, you know, daily actions will get you toward those big goals because ultimately it is a habits and routines thing To the at the end of the day. Uh, And then on the life advice piece, which is going to seem counterintuitive to some listeners, but I I promise it's helpful, is to de-center work in your life. Uh, I think people who are business owners or serious professionals of any variety, I think that we tie so much of our identity into what we do for a living. And it can ultimately be to our detriment because it means when work isn't going well, you know, when we didn't get that big client, or when we uh, maybe we get laid off uh, because the economy is cyclical and that happens. Um, you know, we lose this big piece of our identity, and it can throw people into uh, a real, a real tail spiral because they've lost this piece or this piece of themselves that they thought was all of themselves isn't really there. So. Make sure that you're developing that identity outside of work with your family, with your hobbies, with with the the other things that you enjoy doing with your time, because work is important. It is a part of our life, but it is not our whole life. So That would be my advice.
0: Awesome. Perfect. So awesome. Again, this is 15 minutes with Blake. But again, Anna, like if people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to be most active on LinkedIn. I think that's where you and I met each other. So that's probably the the easiest people to come across me. Luckily, I'm the only Anna Karas on LinkedIn, as far as I know anyway. So I should be pretty easy to track down. Um, And if you're looking to connect with me more uh, professionally, as in you're looking to work with me as an advisor, just go ahead and shoot me an email. It'll be Anna, first name, dot, last name, Karas at ampf.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Anna. Um, As always, love to hear what you guys think on this episode. Uh, You can hit me up on all social media platforms. And again, you can hit Anna primarily on LinkedIn or via email. Pleasure speaking with you. Enjoy the rest of your week. And thanks again, Anna. Have Have a great rest of your week too.
1: Thanks for having me.